We are still focusing on a family, and uh, we're, I'm, I'm thankful for all that the Lord has done. We have three particular areas that we're focused on, uh, reaching every family, empowering every family, and embracing everyone as a part of the Freedom Fellowship family. Today, I want you to get your sermon notes out, get your scriptures out of your Bibles, however you're planning to do that, and uh, I want to, t- to talk about something that I don't enjoy talking about at all, house cleaning. So uh, how many, if you were home, have some house cleaning that you could do? Where are you? All right. Now, I don't mean to depress you. I don't mean to depress you. Uh, my, our family, uh, some of them, you know, Preston and Lindsay and Avelyn live right here, but our California family, uh, uh, Felicia and Lauren and Malachi were here they arrived, uh, what was it, last Friday, uh, or Thursday or Friday, and then they stayed for a week ago, Thursday or Friday, and stayed until this past Thursday. And uh, our hearts just ached to see them leave. Anybody got family like that? You know, it's like, what? You're supposed to just be down the road. You know what I'm saying? And then our hearts just ached when we got home and saw the mess that they had left. And... Uh, <laughs> Hallelujah, all right? It's just, woo, because I'm telling you, uh, uh, you, you haven't lived. And, and well, let, let, me, let me restate that. Um, it, living can be dirty, okay? Some people say, oh, you have such a clean house, but then there's another terminology. It's called, your house looks lived in. How many have a lived-in house, all right? Now, things change when you become empty nesters, Okay? Because when it's just Diane and I, it doesn't seem to be as lived in. Does that make sense? Uh, It's amazing how long we can go without doing all the dishes because you can just... You know what I'm saying? But I'm telling you, every day our dishwasher ran this past week. And this morning before breakfast, my wife looked at me and we have a process of unloading the dishwasher. I stand at the dishwasher, she stands at the cabinets, I grab them, and we have this little conveyor belt thing, and it works. Doesn't it work wonderfully, dear? And uh, she can just look at me like, why aren't you standing and doing the conveyor belt thing? And evidently, it's something we have to do. It's just, it's just working in our lives. Uh, but uh, I want to look a little deeper at this, as you might be aware, uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Let us celebrate the festival. So you might want to underline that. That is a very telling portion of the scripture. Uh, We're so funny about holidays, aren't we? How many really enjoy holidays? Anybody like holidays? I think it's strange in our culture how we... Uh, sometimes, however, we accuse the spiritual of being religious when culturally we have no concept of our own false religion. Because really when you say, well, you're just, you know, I just don't like religion. Really what you're saying is that you do things religiously, but it has no merit. It has no value. Does that make sense? It's like uh, you come to church and you sing, but it doesn't change your life. You come to church and you go through the ritual, but it doesn't have any power to it. 
So uh, that, that's really what we're saying when we say, well, I just hate religion. Uh, really, religion that is sincere is good. Religion that is honorable. Am I, am I making sense to anybody? Uh, when, when, when we're not just going through the motions, but we're actually loving God and serving God and serving one another, we're actually fulfilling what the Word of God says, that's a powerful thing. So, uh, you know, like Easter is one of those holidays. I, I mean, how many love the pageantry? Anybody love that? I mean, uh, you love the stuff that goes with it. You love the clothes. You love the crowds. Uh, but really, it's about the resurrection. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about being changed. It's about being transformed. And, and this moved me to look closer to the holiday celebrations uh, in the Word of God. Uh, say holiday. Say it. How many know what that means? Holy day. Right? When we say holiday, that means day off. That's, in the original Greek, it must mean take a day off. But it means a day of holiness, a day of holiness. Even though we've lost much of the holiness sometimes, it's, it, you know, we say holiday, but it's not about uh, a day that is holy. These days are more accurately about God providing a path for His people to have understanding uh, and to be holy. Uh, we, when, when Jesus Christ was crucified... Uh, he was crucified uh, uh, on Passover. How many know about Passover? I shared a little bit about that the Sunday before uh, Easter. We talked about Passover and the celebration of Passover. When we looked at the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem uh, just a few days before Passover, the requirement of all the people was to uh, select their Passover lamb. And uh, Jesus, when he came in and they shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It was like choosing the Paschal Lamb. And Jesus then dies on the cross. And, and that would have been similar to um, uh, what, was, what took place at Passover. So, so ultimately, Jesus is that. He is that Passover Lamb. But Passover is not the only feast of Israel. Uh, the, and we call them the Feast of the Lord. But there are several. In fact, there are seven. One is Passover, and then there is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of First Fruits, and the Feast of Pentecost, uh, the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Atonement, uh, and, and Tabernacles. So we look at all of those, and all of those uh, have specific, uh, specific history regarding Israel. And God set these feasts up. Uh, and told the children of Israel that they should celebrate them. Passover to, is to remember the deliverance of the Israelites from Egypt when God passed over Israel, uh, the Israelite children, and, and caused uh, death to take place in the house of all of the Egyptians, moving the um, uh, Pharaoh to release the children of Israel from bondage. And then we have the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which takes place immediately after the Passover, uh, and it was for them to remember the escape from Egypt. And the directive was them to prepare swiftly. To be prepared to leave. Not to take anything extra. And the feast involved the baking of unleavened bread called matzah. How many have ever had a matzah cracker? Anybody ever had one of those? So uh, God commanded that the Israelites eat only un unleavened bread. 
That meant you don't get those pastries, you don't get a cinnamon roll, you don't get, you don't get to have a cake, you don't get to have a croissant. I'm making you hungry right now. You don't get to have any of that. And, uh, and then there was the Feast of First Fruits. Uh, I'm not there yet. Just stay on the list, if you would. Just stay on the list. The Feast of First Fruits, uh, which is to celebrate God's gift of harvest. Uh, the Israelites sacrificed the first part of their harvest flocks, and they actually earned money in recognition that God was the giver of every good thing. How many know He is? And then uh, Pentecost which was a day of harvest celebration with joyful crowds gathering together where they brought their offerings of wheat to the temple celebrating the harvest. And then the Feast of Trumpets, which is really the Israelites' Rosh Hashanah. It is their new year. The people celebrated by attending services and considering God's sovereignty of God and being reminded of for a future day, of, also being reminded of a future day of judgment. And then there was atonement. How many have heard of atonement? A day for the nation to seek forgiveness. God passed judgment of the people onto a scapegoat. And the people fasted as a form of self-denial and repentance and confession of sin before the Lord. And then there was the Feast of Tabernacles. Which is the day of remembering when the Jewish people lived in the wilderness for all of those years. And they dwelt in tents. So the people actually on the Feast of Tabernacles would go outside and they'd put up a tent and they'd live in tents. Now these... Seven uh, celebrations also point to Jesus. Passover points to the Messiah as our Passover land. Unleavened bread points to the Messiah's sinless life. First fruits points to the Messiah's resurrection as the first fruits of the righteous. And Jesus was resurrected on this very day, which is uh, one of the reasons that Paul refers to him as the first fruits from the dead. And then Pentecost points to the great harvest of souls, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and trumpets points to the rapture of the church when the Messiah will appear in the heavens as as the bridegroom coming for his bride. And atonement points to the day of the second coming of Jesus when how many know he will return? He's going to come back. Uh, And tabernacles points to the promise that he will once again tabernacle with his people uh, when he returns to reign over all of the world from Jerusalem. So all of these feasts were times of resetting the lives of God's people. How many know we need a reset on occasion? We need to be reset. All of these feasts are national feasts for Israel, but they're also family feasts. They call us to examine our lives, to examine where we are, where we've been, and where we're going. Where we're going. Isn't it true that we would often prefer to just Leave everything the way it is and just keep moving. So I'm just trusting God. I'm not changing anything. These feasts call us to gather for the cause of remembering and resetting lest we forget where the Lord has, uh, has brought us from. So uh, you didn't just get here, right? You didn't just get where you are. God has brought us a long way. So today, and during this time of house cleaning, I want to talk to you from the, from the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Specifically this scripture in 1 Corinthians 5 and 8, which I believe could also be called the Feast of House Cleaning. Uh, I mentioned the matzah cracker a moment ago. The Israelites, I mean, think about this. No more muffins 
or cupcakes for a week. Come on, think about that for a moment. Just weep. No more cupcakes, no more muffins, uh, no more brownies for a week. Jesus, help us. After uh, the Israelites left Egypt, the Feast of Unleavened Bread was instituted. The week after the Passover lamb was killed, the only type of bread they would eat was unleavened bread. And also they were so consumed with this teaching that they focused heavily just on cleansing. Now, does anybody understand yeast? You understand what yeast is? Okay? Yeast is what you place in the flour in order to get the bread to rise. Without the yeast, the bread will not puff up. Yeast is an organism. Hello. It's an organism that when it is placed in something else, it will attack the sugars it likes to eat in warm places. So when you put yeast, I know some people say, I'm having a muffin again. I'm not having one. When you put yeast into the bread it, and you put it in the oven, then the organism begins to multiply. And it, as it multiplies, it causes those little pockets that causes everything to rise. As it multiplies, it also secretes... Uh, anybody heard of fermentation before? Alcohol, carbon dioxide, things of that nature... And as it, as it multiplies, it secretes this, and it puffs up. But then, at a certain temperature, it all dies. Somebody praise God. Now, uh, as if, if you were here years ago, you know, a, a, a thousand years ago, you would have to provide your own yeast. So you would have to go and locate it, sometimes on leaves. Uh, but it could just be in your home. So... During the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Israelites would take a candle as a part of the celebration. They would light the candle, and then they would get a feather, some feathers, and they would search in every corner of their home to see if there was any yeast there. And then they would, they would use the feather like you would use a feather duster to make sure that that yeast did not get in to their bread, they would sweep it into a linen bag, and then they would burn it in the fire. Am I preaching to anybody already? Okay. So, anybody know what yeast represents? Anybody? Yeast in Scripture represents sin. Hello. That gets into our lives... And causes us to get puffed up. Yeast without the work of God stays in our lives and controls us. The sin in our life controls us, intoxicates us. Amen, Pastor Rick. And can actually destroy us. It represents sin. In this teaching in 1 Corinthians, Paul is telling a church... That, is decided, that has decided that godlessness is something to be celebrated. In 1 Corinthians, I mean, they had all kinds of things that they had decided were okay because, you know, we've been saved by grace. So now they actually have, in this moment, they have a man 
that married his father's wife. That sounds really strange, doesn't it? And the church is celebrating that he is still a believer. And so they're, they're celebrating. Then there are other things that are going on in the church. And, and Paul says, let us therefore celebrate the festival. So somebody say, celebrate the festival. So celebrate the festival is a term that would be used to say, hey, we need to go back and we need to realize that just because we've been saved by grace does not mean that we do not need to investigate the areas of our home that might be dirty. Wow, don't preach that. We're talking about families today. So uh, I think in family sometimes we just have to deal with this friendship that we have with ungodliness. How many know sometimes we just make friends with ungodliness? Because honestly, uh, if, we, if we don't deal with these things, then it just destroys our home and our life. You can't have a strong marriage and be filled with pride. In your struggle of he said, she said, how many have ever had to deal with transference in your family? Where you're trying to have a conversation, and uh, I've done this with counseling, especially where somebody will say, well, you know, here's the problem, and immediately that individual will reflect it back to their, to their uh, husband or their wife. And then I'm so busy trying to intercept while they transfer all of their mess to each other. Uh, you know, s- s- words like, if he would just, or if she would just, I'm saying it is our inability to get honest about what's really going on and cleanse our home of this yeast. You, you know yeast is a fungus. That's what it is. So you have to put the fungus in the bread. Preach, Pastor. All of this stuff that's causing us to puff up and making us look as though we are something that we are not. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm saying we've got to stop saying, well, nobody's perfect, as if we're defending those things which are making us putrid, making us so messed up, making us live in anger and hatred and unforgiveness. By defending our personal struggle with pride and anger and bitterness, we're just digging a hole. How many have ever dug a hole before? Anybody ever dig a hole and you just keep digging and digging and digging? You know the best way to get out of the hole you're digging? Stop digging and throw away the shovel. You're not going to get out of the hole that we have dug until we've dropped the shovel. So we want to focus on the process and the power of cleansing our house because the Lord knows what's really going on. So let's stay for the stay. Uh, on this, in the scripture for this opening teacher, t- teaching, and I want to talk to you about what it means to examine yourself. Examine yourself. Ain't nobody loving this today. So, uh, again, Paul continues with this thought in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. But let a person examine himself and then eat the bread and drink the cup. So, ushers, will you help me? All right, some ushers are going to help serve right now. Now, don't do anything with this. Don't you open this up. All right, don't open it up. Don't do anything with this yet. All right, ushers are coming. And swiftly, just go ahead and pass it out. Just, just, all right, just pass these out. Here you go. Here we go. Now, normally, 
when we serve communion, we just get it done, right? We just kind of get it done. Just pass it out. Now, don't open it up. Don't go. Don't touch anything. Just, just you can set it down. Hold it. All right. I want us to look at this teaching that Paul makes, and he says this: Let a person examine himself, and then eat the bread and drink the cup. So, uh, I was. I, I told you that. I survived this past week. Um, let me tell you how I survived. I, sometimes I do things just to test myself. Anybody else? Do things just to test myself. And sometimes I do things that I'm not sure that I'm capable of just to see whether or not I can do it. And sometimes that gets risky the older you get. Does that make sense? So, uh, you know, this past week my grandson was in town, so there was a lot of playing that needed to be done. Uh, amen. Uh, you know, there was, at one time I was just chasing him. And I thought, I'll play tag because that boy can't catch me. He's 11 years old now. And I'm not. And at least one time I wiped out. At least one time. Uh, but it's my own fault because I would test myself. I'd just look at him. I'd say, you're it. That's all I did. You're it. That means, yeah, yeah, we're going to chase each other. And then he wanted to do some things and some, that we weren't able to do. And I said, hey, have you ever heard of Adventureland in Virginia Beach? How many have ever been to the Adventure Park? Anybody ever been to the Adventure Park? Okay. So uh, he said, no. So I told him about it. Uh, not realizing what this was going to cause. <laughs> Ultimately, what it was going to cause was a family trip to Adventure Park, which has trees that need to be climbed, and all kinds of little balancing acts where you kind of walk on a wire, oh, say 40, 50 foot in the air, holding on to ropes, trying to balance, and then eventually this. Uh, zip lining. Okay, and yes, that is me, praying, earnestly. That's me crying hallelujah and going across our creek, all right? And I did survive, hallelujah, that's me worshiping Jesus right there. I was fine until it flipped me around backwards and I thought, I'm just going to run into a tree now. It wasn't good just to do the little ones, you know, because they have the ones, the, the yellow ones and the purple ones. I had to do the black diamond, all right? Yeah. All right? Which I survived. I'm doing well. I'm, I'm still moving. I have one bruise, large bruise. And, uh, but here's what I found. And, and I, I'll just be honest with you. It's, be kind, of, it's kind of funny, but uh, I just want to be honest that I'm very confident. You know, I, I, it reminded me of being a boy. Because in, the boy, in my boyhood, I grew up in the country. Anybody else grow up in the country? I grew up in the woods, climbing trees, swimming in rivers. So it was kind of, there was a certain commonality to it. But I'm not 12 years old anymore. I'm not. But I still want to test myself. I still want to test myself just to see uh, what's going on, what's really going on. And I found that I'm still pretty good. I can move and I can jump. Uh, there are some things that hurt after it was over. Uh, but you have to, if you're going to examine yourself, 
You're actually going to have to do stuff. And the word examine, really, the word examine could also be translated prove or test. So let, let a man, let, let a person prove themselves. Let them prove themselves. Test themselves. So I'm not going to take everybody out to Adventure Park today. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but I, I want you to consider this because uh, there are healings. There are deliverances, freedoms that take us uh, to a new place. And they are only available on the other side of self-examination. You're not in this by yourself. So it's, it actually has begun... Uh, uh, in 1 Corinthians, Paul deals with a church that has been birthed by the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's losing its spiritual power. And it, and it actually has, this church has actually begun to celebrate such things as the Lord's Supper in an unholy manner. People are just so full of themselves, and they're just coming for the food rather than for the sacrament. So Paul is uh, going to deal with these attitudes because... It goes so much deeper. It's about, how many know that sometimes the things that we need to examine are things that we don't normally look at? Things that we don't look at. So let me show you some guidelines for self-examination, okay? Uh, guidelines, one, be intentional. Two, be specific. And three, be prayerful. So if I'm going to do self-examination, and we're all in agreement now that we need to, Amen. Be intentional. Set aside a time to examine your own life. Last week I gave away candles for your families so that you would begin to pray. How many know that it's a possibility to pray swiftly and never do self-examination? It's like, God, I don't want to be quiet and just listen to you right now because I really need to get out of this before I have revelation. Right? So find a place you can be alone. Bring your Bible with you. Bring a pen and some paper. Stuff that's going on. Show me what's really happening in my life. Now this will help you because it will dis it disable you from constantly transferring things. God, I'm not here. Same a deliverance. They all crossed the same Red Sea. They all followed the same cloud. They all drank. They were thirsty. And the Bible says that God provided them this living water, the rock, Christ Jesus. But then he says this, Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. That's sad, isn't it? It's like, hey guys, guess what? Yes, we're all saved, but it's a possibility for us, not, for, for us to be saved and still not to be pleasing to God. Is that true? Okay, I got a few heads that went up and down. I'm taking the poll. Somebody shout, yes, it's the truth. How many know it's great to have family? I love my family. One of the things we have in family is commonality. And the deal is, when you pause to think about it, sometimes our greatest struggles are because of our commonality. You might say, well, you know, I don't, you know, my family doesn't have any problems. Well, that's because you're so busy celebrating your family that sometimes you don't stop and think, wait a minute, there could be some brokenness in my life. 
See, all of these guys in 1 Corinthians 10 got out of Israel but didn't see the promised land. They needed to examine themselves. Get honest about what's going on. Stop saying, well, you know, just because I'm an Israelite, my last name is Hawker, and, you know, my father, he loves to say, I'm just so proud of my Hawker family, and he loves that I pastor a church, and I have a, another brother, a couple other brothers who pastor churches, and he loves that. But you know that we also have some brokenness in our past? Yeah, we have some brokenness. I have... Two, I have a great-grandfather and a grandfather who were both severe alcoholics, incredibly broken and abusive men. I have that. And you say, well, what's that got to do with anything? I don't want that to show up in my life. Amen. In uh, Exodus uh, chapter 34, verse 6, we have this illustration of who God is. The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. Look at this. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity. I don't like this part. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. That's really weird. Somebody thank God that he's merciful. Okay, God is merciful, but the truth is there's iniquity. And the word iniquity means bent. Have you ever seen a tree that should have went straight, but it was kind of bent like that? And you know why it's bent? It's bent because of the wind or the storms that constantly come against it. I drive down one particular road, and I remember when the trees were perfectly straight. And then after a few years, they all ended up just pointing a particular direction. It was after we had a big storm here in Virginia Beach and they all got bent and their root systems were mangled. And so all of them just... Eh. And, and, and you can see a whole family. How many have ever seen that or experienced that? A whole family. And it's like the whole family is bent. The whole family struggles with depression. The whole family is full of anxiety. The whole family has addiction disorders. Am I right? And somebody has got to stop that. Uh, our past, the people of our past can be our most powerful role models and you know you look back in your past and you can find anger and substance abuse, sexism, racism verbal abuse, sexual abuse, bigotry, immorality, negativity perfectionism, conditional love pride, unforgiveness, gossip how many have ever seen that stuff in your family? anybody? We need to examine ourselves in the light of where we come from and say, Lord, show me. I know that I've seen that in my past, but dear Lord, is that in my life? Were the things that you were exposed to growing up biblically sound? Were they morally correct? You want me to go there? If you're living in poverty, you might ask the question, how did my family handle money? Are you third generation poverty? And you say, well, our family just can't get a job. Maybe you need to get alone and say, God, examine the corners of my life. What have I overlooked that you want to reveal to me? You're relationally broken. How did your parents treat one another? Isn't it interesting that you argue and fuss and fight the same way your mom and dad did? How were your children treated? How were the children treated in the home? 
Well, my parents, you know, they believe sparing the rod and spoiling the child. So they beat us every day. Now, I'm not, I'm not against corporal punishment. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I want you to know that there's some discipline that some of us experienced as children that was not a blessing but a curse in our lives. And you might say, well, you know, Pastor, that's not... Let God reveal some of those things in your life. Do you practice those same things? Have you ever dealt properly with those things which were wrong? And and I'm just going to tell you, right now, people say, oh, Pastor, I'm going to have to go through class after class. Let's quickly deal with some stuff right now, okay? You can solve some things swiftly if you'll just get honest. Just four quick steps. One, call it what it is. All right? That's just the way we... We, we Smiths are all that way. That's just the, No, don't, don't do that. Call it what it is. There's a good three-letter word for that. What is it? Sin, all right? I love my family, but my greatest loyalty is to God. Take responsibility for your behaviors, all right? Uh, I was a little bent growing up. Uh, I was bent, and it had to do with my religious background. Does that make sense to anybody? I felt legalistically bent sometimes. I mean, if I, you know, I saw somebody smoking a cigarette, I'd just send them straight to hell when I was a boy. I mean, it's like, oh, I saw that. You just, you know, put that in some gasoline, that's where you're going. You know, I just, it's just the way, you know, my, my, my parents, they were very, you know, they, they were kind of stretched away from that, but it came from my history, just a heavy legalistic bent. But, but I remember that, God had to deal with me personally on that. You can't blame that for the rest of your life on those who went before you. I had to deal with that myself. If it has to do with a family issue, forgive your parents. Forgive them. You say, well, my daddy left us and I have struggled all my... You've got to forgive him sooner or later. And today would be a good day to say, I forgive him. My mom, I gotta forgive my mom. the way they treated me, the poverty that I lived in. You gotta forgive them and then make Jesus the Lord of that area of your life. And these are some simple areas, but you just you need to ask, how is it that Jesus wants me to deal with this? Jesus, I surrender this to you and I ask you to heal me. I call it what it is, I take responsibility, and I break this off of my life in the name of Jesus. Anybody feeling good right now? All right, let me wrap this up. Finally, get honest before the Lord. I like Psalm 15. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? Read read this with me. He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the... Just underline that. Speaks the truth in his heart. So, uh, house cleaning requires my honesty. It really does. Diane and I were sitting down in our little... I don't like a separate recliner. We got the double recliner things because I don't like her to be that far away from me. And we were watching this movie and, and in the movie or TV show, I think it was a TV show, and, and uh, in, in, the, in the TV show, uh, this guy starts singing Love Will Make A Way. Love will find a way. Don't make me dance and sing. Love will find a way. Anybody ever heard that song before? Lyrics are really weird in it, but I just love, love will find a way. The movie's going on, and I lean over to my wife, and I start singing that into her ear. Love will find a way. 
And I thought she was going to like it. And she said, she said, I can't hear the movie. I missed that whole part. And I leaned back over on my side of the love seat. On my side of the love seat. And, uh, and just got real quiet. And she said, well, now you're pouting. How many have been married before? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. And I said, I'm not pouting. I'm not pouting. I just wanted to sing the song. And, and rewound the movie, you know, or whatever you call it now. Re- we still call it rewind, even though it's not a tape. I digitalized it backwards. I don't know. I don't know. I got it back, and we listened to it. And, uh, and we got through that tough moment. All right. Anybody in those places? For us, it was laughter. For some of you said, yeah, and that was the end of the relationship. Because you can't joyfully be honest. Honesty in your marriage will bring healing in your home. Alright? I said, I'm not pouting. Okay, maybe a little bit. I wanted you to like my singing. Okay, anybody with me on this? Now that's, that's a small thing. Alright? Intimacy with God requires me to have an honest heart. So let's test that. Let's test that. An honest heart is a teachable heart. Say that. An honest heart is a... A teachable truth, a teachable truth wants to... Let's see. A teachable heart wants to know the truth. Alright? I just want to know the truth. How I many know the truth will set you free? And as long as all you want to do is be validated... You'll never really know the truth. An honest heart is humble and submissive. How many believe that God controls the universe? Anybody believe that? How many believe it's about God? But there are those who believe that it's all about them. Got any narcissists in the room that want to confess right now? All about me. All of us have somebody like that. You probably have somebody in your family like that. You don't have to write their name right now. It's like you get together and you want to get honest or say something to them and they will just shout you down, you know. Wait, 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 wait. Don't be bringing that on me right now. Right? In your family. You would like to have a conversation in your, with your kids. But no, no. Don't be. You see? Honesty. Yeah, thank you. Don't play that with me. Don't. Honesty. An honest heart is humble and submissive. An honest heart understands the love and grace of God. God is for me. He is not against me. So God wants to reveal some stuff in my life. Amen? Each of you have to have an honest heart. So if you say, I'm going to examine myself, just saying that is a move towards honesty. And when you are that way, Jesus Christ takes control and you can overcome your heartache. See, I don't just want to have Easter. I don't want to just have crucifixion and some grape juice and a flat piece of bread. I want to have a house that is unleavened and a marriage that is whole and a family that will serve and trust God. Everybody stand with me. Stand with me. Come on, stand with me. I'm going to show you the importance of this as we finish, okay? Because it was really fine for a moment. Okay. If you want to go ahead and open the first layer and get the bread in your hands okay 
All right. Now, I'll help you with the scripture. Be cautious when you read it because it can make you really nervous. Get this in your hands. Don't bite anything yet. Don't chew anything. This is totally unleavened bread. I mean, this isn't even matzah. This is... When I eat this, it looks like a piece of paper plate to me, all right? Don't expect any flavor, okay? Okay. Paul is dealing with some struggles in the church. Now, we're not dealing with this struggle. I believe freedom. How many thank God for a healthy church called Freedom? I have a lot of health here. But Paul says to this church in, in Corinth, he says, Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. That, just, that whole phrase in the flesh just creeps me out. I've, I've seen people that would not receive communion because they were afraid they had missed something. And if I eat this, it's going to, I'm going to, it's like strychnine or something. I'm going to get sick. That's not what this is about. Really, what Paul is saying is, and this is what we find in Scripture, is there are benefits in receiving communion. Benefits. There are benefits. And the benefits of receiving communion are healing for our lives. Somebody thank God. It has been said that this is the meal that heals. Some people say, you know, if I eat this wrong, that's not what we're saying here. What we're saying is, is that let's go ahead and receive all of the benefit of heaven. Let's go ahead and say that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he did die for all of my sins. Those that I know about and those that I have not examined, but he did not die so I would stop doing self-examination. Amen? So, Lord, before I eat this right now, I just want to examine myself. So close your eyes. Just close your eyes. Say, come, Holy Spirit. Now, what we're going to do is just, if you have unforgiveness towards someone, just say, Lord, reveal that to me. If I have unforgiveness in my heart. If I'm puffed up with pride, dear Lord, I don't want any of that in my life. If there are those that I should have apologized to, that I've offended, Lord, let me know about that because I'm going to go and I'm going to take care of that. If I have issues in my past that I have not dealt with yet, Lord, I want to deal with those. So reveal that. Tell God, say, Holy Spirit, reveal things to me. Reveal things to me. I'm ready to be examined. Test me, Lord. Test me. See, this is a test right now. As you're getting ready to receive this and receive the benefit of this, God says, receive the full benefit of it. Come, Holy Spirit, do this work now in the name of Jesus. As I receive this bread, according to your word, I also receive my healing. Say that, I receive healing in my body. As I receive this cup, I receive remission, removal of all of my sins. I thank you for that. Now give him praise for that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now... Are there those in the room that would say, yeah, God is revealing some stuff to me to, today in this message. And at this moment, would you just hold that piece of leavened bread up in the air and let me see it? Okay, there we go. Now somebody say, thank God. This is not a sad thing. This is a happy thing. Okay. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had, uh, when he had blessed it and broke it, he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Okay, take.
take and eat the bread. In the same manner, Jesus then took the cup and he gave thanks. Lord Jesus, we give you thanksgiving that our sin is not counted against us. We thank you for your grace that is poured out. We thank you for your blood, the price that was paid for the removal of our sins. We thank you. We give you praise. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank, tell him, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. And we receive this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Take, receive the cup. Now let's thank Him for our healing. Let's thank Him for life. Come on, everybody. We thank you for healing. We thank you for life. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you. Come on, tell Him. Open your mouth. We praise you, Lord Jesus, that you are a healer. We know, dear God, that you love us, that you care for us, and we pray. Come on, let's give Him praise. We praise you, Lord Jesus, for the work of the cross. We thank you. All right. I want some of you that perhaps have been struggling in some areas. Uh, to come, I have something for you. So if you lift your hands, uh, just hold on uh, just for a moment. We'll catch, that, we'll catch the, the, the trash in a moment. Uh, some of you lifted your hand and said, yeah, pastor, this is, my, uh, this is my area. I've got some stuff. I just want to give you something, all right? So just come and stand up here in the altar because I, last week I gave you all a candle. I want to give you something to go with your candle. So uh, come on down. Come on down and just stand here. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you've done in our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How many have started praying at your house? Anybody started praying at home? You picked it up? Okay. So I've got something for you to lay down next to your candle. It's a feather. Okay. Now, what can you do with this feather? Anybody got an idea? Here, just pass them down. Just pass them down. Here's what you do with the feather. I want you to pray, but I also want you to find time to examine yourself. Would you do that? Say, Lord, reveal those things that I need to know about me. Help me to walk. How many think you would do a lot better to walk in forgiveness every day? Anybody believe that? So, Father, we thank you. And as we pass out these feathers today, Lord, we pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, shine a light in every corner. Let us remove those things that are unlike you. Let us examine, test ourselves, and let us walk in such a way that would bring glory and honor to your name. Heal our homes. Heal our families. Bless these people that are in this room, dear God. And as they leave this place, may they walk in the light of the Spirit. May they walk free of those things that have been hidden in their homes. In the name of Jesus, we pray and bless them. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you. Be gracious.